Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Abundology Podcast. Today, we're talking about imposter syndrome with my friend, Kaylin Huntress. Now, Kaylin is living the dream as a digital nomad who currently lives in New Zealand with his family. And so you do it all. Speaker, trainer, marketing strategist, business coach, and the author of this incredible book, which I am in love with, called Marketing Yourself. And I love this book so much that I even wrote an endorsement for it. So why I love it is because it's so simple. Sometimes marketing people make things so complicated, overcomplicated. And this is just one of those easy to follow guides on how to market yourself. It's clearly for people just starting out, but also people like me that have been in the business world like forever, maybe way too long. I don't know. Anyway, another exciting thing is after 225 episodes, you are the first male guest on the podcast. So not, can you believe that? Not on purpose. (laughs) I know. I love men. There just have been so many incredible women to talk to that I'm finally getting to the men. So welcome, Kaylin. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Renee. I'm really honored to be here, and I'm I'm happy to be the the first man here. It's it's um you know being a huntress. I feel like I fit in. <laughs> I know. Um, and I'm I'm often the only man in uh, mostly women's spaces uh, because I you know I I don't you know I'm I'm the type of man who came up in the patriarchy and thought you know this doesn't really work. So I took mm. my wife's last name when we married. Uh, oh, I love she's a that. Huntress. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So, um, so I'm happy to be the, uh, to, to represent the enlightened male side of life. And I'm so happy to be on your podcast. (laughs) Well, I'm excited to talk with you about imposter syndrome because, you know, abundance is my thing. Manifesting is my thing. And imposter syndrome is very similar. So we, we have found some overlap as we've been talking about it. And, you know, women, I think in particular, I don't know about men, but I know the women and the clients that I deal with particularly this is something that comes up often. So, and why do you think that is? <laughs> well, I see this a lot in my work, not just in, you know, my, my visualization and manifestation work where you're making, you're, you're trying to traverse this distance between who you are and who you want to be. Yeah. Uh, I, I see this often in marketing too, where somebody has a message and they, or they do a business pivot and they have to go out and share this message on social media or to their newsletter list or speaking to an audience, even though they don't fill those big shoes yet. And so there's this expansion that happens where you have to believe more of yourself than you have evidence for. Yeah. And that happens often. With, I deal with a lot of people that are just starting businesses. And, you know, it feels funky, especially when I, you know, I used to do home loans and I'm a loan officer to now I'm a spirit guide channeler. Even saying it took a while for it to come out of my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because there's this gap between who you've been and who you want to be. And filling that gap, it makes us feel like we're not being authentic because we're claiming something that we don't really have the right to yet. But if you're going to expand, then that's what you need to do. Because grow the you know you can gain knowledge by study, but experience is only gained by the fakers. Ah. You have to fake it till you make it, and believe I can do this, even though you're back here. It's over here you want to be, and you have to take this future position. And you know about this gap, but the people you're talking to might have no idea, and so they could believe it of you 
believe what you're claiming, and you know inside all the mistakes you've ever made. You know all the reasons why this isn't true. It's like if you're trying to visualize this multi-million dollar mansion when you're living in a two-bedroom house. That gap between where you are and where you want to be, we have to get comfortable with that gap if we're going to expand. Right. And we're constantly expanding. Well, the people that we work with, let's just say that, are constantly expanding. So there, it perhaps could be this never-ending, if you're growing and growing and growing, this never-ending gap. Yeah. And if, and if you want to keep growing, you have to get comfortable with that gap and know that it, it doesn't ever really go away. Because by the time that that gap is done, then there's nothing left to achieve you know you you don't have any desires because you have everything and so then what do you do you just sit around no there's always more directions to grow and so there's always more things for us to fake about ourselves <laughs> yeah that started with me when i started doing the podcast you know i've never done podcasts before i am i'm just happy that i could get my technology to work so here i am <laughs> do, you know doing this podcast literally not knowing one thing about podcasts but you got to put yourself out there. You know, that's just how it works. Yeah. I, I love the fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So what is some advice that you can give people um, that are maybe, you know, struggling with this or, you know, feeling like imposters in their business? Well, when you're feeling imposter syndrome in your in your business, a lot of times it's because of this nagging voice we have in our head that's made up of everyone we've known who could dispute what we claim. Oh, you know, um, when I first started uh, living as a digital nomad, I left the states uh, ten or twelve years ago, and I uh, took my family and went to Costa Rica and started running a web design business on top of a mountain in the jungle. And I had only designed three websites at that time. Mm. And so I made my fourth one, which was a portfolio website that said, here's what I've done. And then I started marketing myself as a website designer. And the, the people who got those first three websites, I'll just be frank with you. Those websites were not very good. They were right. my first ones. But I went out marketing myself to, uh, to my network of contacts saying, I can make you a great website. And in the back of my head, I thought of all these, you know, these three clients I'd had that got these dinky little websites that weren't that impressive. And I was writing on the experience I had earned in putting those websites together. I knew they weren't great. Those clients thought they were fine. But mm. according to my standards, I thought, well, these aren't really great. And I know I could do something better. And the fifth website I made was better. And the sixth website was better than that. And I kept getting better. But there was this real hard piece of friction, Renee, like right when I had made my portfolio and I started selling to people, hey, I can make you a website that's going to have these outcomes. They didn't know that I felt like a faker. And so the trick was, I didn't tell them that I was faking. I had to believe it so much myself that they believed it too. And I see this a lot with manifestation work. We've got these little uh, voices in the back of our head that says, you know, this isn't really going to work. And you have to find your own ways around those little voices in your head. It might be silencing them. It might be ignoring them. It might be asking them, what do you need? 
little voice in my head to feel like this is really safe and so that you can agree with me. What do you need to hear so that you can get on board and go into this new expansion with me? Yeah. And to surround yourself with other people that believe in you that are not the naysayers that what do you think you're doing? I remember (laughs) when I first started, you know, doing spirit guide readings and called my mom and like, mom, you know, I don't really know if this is my thing or not. And she says, you are great at everything you do, honey, just get out there and and practice and do it (laughs) until you you'd feel like, you know, you own it. So yeah, and I think there's this belief that other people know more than we do or have more experience or have the secret knowledge that we don't have, you know, and that makes them these experts when it's experience, it's getting out there doing it, it's putting your, it's taking the step to get out there and do it. That's right. Yeah. And something I see a lot in the marketing world is you don't have to actually be an expert to get results. You just have to make it look like you get results. You know, there, there's all sorts of, um, you know, since I'm a business coach, I spend a lot of time in coaching communities and there's all sorts of coaches who coach other coaches yeah, because they can't actually find other entrepreneurs to coach. And so it becomes this cyclical, um, you know, the, uh, uh, self-feeding cycle where the coaches are coaching other coaches and marketers are going online and saying, hey, buy my online course on how to make online courses and you can kick back and it's hula girls and margaritas for the rest of your life. <laughs> and, and some of those, those uh, marketing bros are really successful. And it's not because they're great. It's because they can stand up and fake it well. And counterintuitively, this is like one of the keys I found in my own manifestation work, that I don't actually need to prove it with the results. I need to emotionally feel that I've done it. And whether I actually have or not, that emotional feeling, that's what brings results. And that emotion is the key to manifesting. You know, it's very difficult to manifest money by imagining a number in a bank account. But if you can mm-hmm. think about how you're going to spend that, I'm going to travel with my family to New Zealand. I'm going yeah. to, you know, take a trip to Paris. That emotion is what attracts the stuff and brings it to you. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And so I, 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 when I think about imposter syndrome, I think about emotions as the way around the imposter syndrome. Mm, like, let's okay. just sequester the imposter syndrome for a moment and let's feel the emotions Uh, that we would get when we succeeded at this instead. You know, it reminds me of how Elizabeth Gilbert in her book, Big Magic, she talks about how she's in a car with with her genius and her fear. And she's in the front seat and she's driving and she's got all these great ideas with her muse, her genius. She kind of like uh, anthropomorphizes it. So it's this, this external part of her that she can converse with. And her fear's in the back seat. And she talks about how she opens a dialogue with her fear. And she says, you're always going to have a say. I will always listen to you. But under no circumstances will I allow you to drive. Mm, That's good. Yeah. And I think of imposter syndrome the same way. Like, yeah, I'll listen to you. You get to have your say. And I will hear what you say. But you don't get to put your hands on the wheel. You know, (laughs) (laughs) and I love what you said about focusing on the end result 
and how that end result feels. Because once again, one of the great ways to get something to attract you to you right away is when picturing and using all of your senses of it arriving. What's it going to feel like? It's here. Oh, I feel this way. Yeah. Yeah. And this is something that I have to do a lot in marketing is I have to make the end result first and then tell people about it before I've actually gotten anybody into the program. You know, I I launched a program this morning, sent it out to my email newsletter list and everything is done. The framework of the program, when we're meeting, how much it costs, the sales page, the delivery, like that's all done before I told anybody about it. And in marketing, you have to create that end-to-end experience before you even start an invitation. And the first few people that I've talked to about this, because I had some pre-launch people that I had conversations with to kind of like market test it and make sure there is some interest in this. And the first few times I was having these conversations, Renee, I felt my imposter syndrome come up, you know, like nobody's going to buy this. They're not going to want this, but it turns out that it is really valuable. And it's only because I faked it in that conversation. And I said, okay, I'm going to pretend this is valuable. And I'm going to pretend that they like it. Then I started making sales. And after I got those first few sales, I put together the outreach campaign and sent it out to my list so that now that imposter syndrome, I listened to it and I heard it. And then I put it aside. And I said, I'm going to go for the end result. And I'm going to pretend this whole program from start to finish is all done. And then I'm going to offer it to people as if it's already a success. So whether it's marketing or whether it's manifestation, it uses those same principles. Yeah, the acting as if. Did a similar yeah. thing. I'm teaching some um, cla- online classes now. And same thing with you. Get them all ready before I launch it out there. And, you know, there's always in that back of your head, God, is, is anybody going to sign up? You know, is anybody going to sign up? And it's like, wait a second. I, I'm acting as if I'm acting as if X number of people sign up. And sure enough, X number of people signed up. So, you know, great. It's that. (laughs) I love how marketing, well, shoot, marketing and everything in life, let's be real, uses all the same energetic principles. Yeah. Yeah. You have to believe that it's going to succeed or nobody else will. It starts with you. Yeah. Yeah. Words of wisdom right there. You have to believe it's going to succeed before anybody else will. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah. And I wonder if this is because of the bandwagon effect. Hmm, what's you know, that? The band, well, the bandwagon effect is this, this scientific phenomenon where people feel more comfortable in mimicking the dominant energy in the room. So if you're in a room and there's 20 people and five of them all say, yeah, you know, I love black coffee. And a couple other people say, yeah, you know, black coffee is, I like that too. And the majority of the room is talking about how great black coffee is and why they would never put cream and sugar in it. When you go up to the coffee bar, how are you going to make your coffee? It takes a real uh, certainty of yourself to go against the dominant energy in the room. But the bandwagon effect says everybody's going to jump on because everybody's going this way. And you don't want to miss out, do you? And so you can start your own bandwagon effect by acting as if, by saying, this is what we're doing, everybody. I'm going to launch this big program and I'm going to be this multimillionaire and everybody else will believe you if you say it with enough conviction. But if you doubt, 
and you hem and you haw and you're like, well, I want to do this thing, but I don't really know if I can do it. How many people are you going to convince? Right? <laughs> right. And I talk about that a lot. There's a, I hope it happens energy. And then there's a, I'm doing it energy, two different energies. And of course you're getting on the bandwagon with the, I'm doing it energy. Yeah, because it's exciting. And people want to follow that that uh, expansion of emotional energy because there's something there that they can learn from. But if you're presenting the your doubts and your fears, people already have those doubts and fears, you know? And so it's 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 delicate to be able to share them. You have to have a safe, structured environment where like this podcast where we're talking about the fears of imposter syndrome. But if I was, you know, trying to enroll you in a program and I shared with you my imposter syndrome, oh, I don't really know if this is going to work. I think that this might be kind of lame. You probably shouldn't buy this. You're going to follow along with that emotional energy that I'm giving you. <laughs> yeah. And, and let's be real. People are buying stuff that makes them feel a certain way. Yeah. You know, and if you're feeling like this and I don't know, nobody wants to buy that. Right. You know? <laughs> yes. Right. You know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to hear that you use this a lot in your mortgage work where somebody would be looking at a house and wondering, can I expand to this? Can I get big enough to do this? And so I'm, I'm, could you talk a little bit about your role in helping people expand in that situation? Well, I think of loan officers and realtors really as therapists, as the helping that helping you believe you can have the dream, showing mm -hmm. you how you can get the dream. That's so good. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I'm right there with you. And the, the other side of that, too, if we're talking about marketing, often, you know, in the mortgage world, people shop you. They, they, oh, I can get this rate at Bank of America. I can get this. And, you know, you have to be so confident in yourself. That is a super great rate. If they don't give you the, the service that you need or they don't give you what they promise, please come back to me because I know that I can do an excellent job. So yeah. letting it go too, you know, not right. being so attached. I got to make the sale. I got to mm -hmm. make the sale. Yeah. <laughs> That's so key. Yeah. And, and with, with manifestation and with marketing, that detachment is also important. You know, there's the saying in sales, uh, some will, so some won't, so what? Ooh, I like that. And That's you, good. I haven't yeah. heard that before. Yeah. 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 Because that you were right that that, um, that attachment, like, oh my gosh, I got to make this. It creates an emotional desperation that others can feel. Yep. And when they feel that you're going to be taking from them, they're like, Ugh, I don't want to expand in this direction because they're going to be taking so much else and I don't even know if I want to give this much, much, and then they want to take more. I better pull back from this emotionally. But it's counterintuitive that when somebody kind of cuts off and they're like, hey, you could do this with me if you like. You can go over there. But, you know, I'm here if you want it because I'm busy doing all this great stuff. Come along if you want. Then it has this lightness and this playfulness that I think for, for some reason, this is really key, not just to closing a sale, but also to making a manifestation happen where it, you know, you're, you're not attached. It could be this or something better. And when you open yourself up to that, it prevents you from closing down the options to, it's gonna be like this. I'm gonna close this deal with this person and that's how I'm gonna make my rent and that's how I'm gonna pay these bills. When there's a lotto ticket sitting right over there, just waiting for you to be open enough to find it. 
Yeah, the being open part. I love that. Um, another thing that I practice with my clients before, because I work with a lot of entrepreneurs that are at the very beginning, similar to you. I know you have all stages of people you work with in your business, but before you hit that launch button, that website live button, to take some time to get your energy aligned, to not yeah. launch in the imposter syndrome, right. but to launch in the, I got this bitch. You know, this is mine. I'm owning this and I am doing that. Two different energies that you're sending out into the universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That expansion to the next stage, we, we hit friction every time we go there. Uh, you know, I, I work with uh, four different levels of clients. You know, the, the first level of a platform is a soapbox. And anybody who has something to say can get up on their soapbox and get a few people around to listen. But it's not until they make it a showroom that it's a commercial enterprise. And at the showroom, the second level of a platform, that's where your communication is focused on what people can buy from you and how they do business. And so showrooms are great because you can support a business, you can support a lifestyle with a showroom. But the problem with a showroom is it has a ceiling. And so the third level of a platform is the stage. And that's where you've exhausted your current audience and you need to go and find other audiences to present to. And it's your systems that do the selling for you. The fourth level of a platform is the stadium. And that's where your moves move the market. And I work with people who transition between these different stages. And every time you get, you feel comfortable at one stage and you look up and you're like, boy, I'd really like to be at that level of platform. You hit imposter syndrome again. Because you've gotten so competent at the level where you are, it takes a total reframe of everything you do to get to that next level. And so this imposter syndrome, it doesn't really go away. You kind of have to befriend it and acknowledge it when it comes by and say, hey, I remember you. I worked with you when I got to where I am now. And we found this way to work together where you gave me the anxiety I needed to make sure I was paying to attention to things that were important. And now I'm up here and things are going great, but I want to get up there. So let's do it together. How can I befriend my imposter syndrome to expand to that next level that I want to reach? Oh, that's good. And even reframing like we do when we're attracting things, reframing instead of imposter syndrome being bad and scary and nasty, hey, imposter syndrome is proof I'm growing. You That's know, right. reframing, oh man, I'm growing yeah. here. If I yeah. wasn't feeling uncomfortable, I'd be in the same place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that gap of growth, it's, it's you, you learn to recognize it. Uh, after time. And I love what uh, what Ira Glass says. He, he has this wonderful short little talk where he talks about um, why taste makes you disappointed in your own work. And he says that what gets you into the game is your taste and you can tell what's good and what's bad. And so you start making your own work and your work disappoints you because your skills aren't that great yet, but your taste is still killer. And so you know that what you, what you create is not up to the standards of what you like in the world. And, and he says that you need to get comfortable with this discomfort because everyone goes through this. It's not something you can avoid. If you're expanding into something new, you're doing something you've never done before. 
And so you need to get comfortable with that discomfort because that's the rite of passage that actually helps you expand into a bigger self. And changing that idea of failure that we have in our society about, you know, failure is bad. When I started doing my online classes, I've done one. Everybody, oh, it's so great, Renee, it was lovely. I want, you know, my taste is like, you know what, I'm going to do better than this. You know, so <laughs> so the next time I'm going to get better, the next one I'll get better. And yeah. it's just that putting yourself out there and realizing there's no failure. It's all yeah. learning. It's all learning. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if you think of a whetstone, how you sharpen a knife. Oh, yeah. It's full of failure. That knife is going through an extremely difficult process, having a stone grind against it, taking pieces of the metal right off of it. But that's what keeps it sharp. Your failure is like a whetstone and you need that difficulty in order to sharpen yourself. This is the great thing about living on the cutting edge is you don't have the luxury to dull, but it's not easy. Yeah. And I think people have the belief that it's everybody else. It's easy. And for me, it's hard when the reality is if you're growing, you're uncomfortable. You know, you're, exactly. you're on that cutting edge. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's because of a lot of the work I do in marketing, I help people with their content a lot. And as people go through these growth stages, there's often a, uh, a conflict over how much of this do I share? Because as you're going through these growth stages, there's a lot of grist in there that can be helpful for other people. And I've fallen on every side of this spectrum from being totally open and honest about my challenges as I go through them to being completely quiet about it and suffering in silence. And I've gone back and forth on this spectrum uh, periodically throughout my career. And the best advice I ever heard from this was from Danielle Laporte. And she said, your scars are beautiful, but we don't need the play-by-play while you're healing. Share your wisdom retrospectively. Share the scars, but not the wounds. Yeah. And I found that really helpful. So when you're going through this difficulty and you you have this, this gap and this imposter syndrome and you're not feeling so confident in it, there's wonderful things in there that you can journal about that you can work through internally, but don't bring it to the public until you, you can look back on it. You get this, this perspective with distance that you don't have when you're right in it, while you're still going through the difficulties, sharing it is, you know, like it drags other people down and it actually, you know, repulses them, and pushes them away. But if you, you can look back on it and say, hey, I had this difficulty. I came through this difficulty. Now I'm here. And here's what I've learned about the distance between where I was and where I got to. There's this safety in distance where people can engage with your material without feeling like they're going to be dragged down by it. And also inspired by it. Because, That's you know, right. if that person can do this and they felt the way that I'm feeling, I can do it too. Yeah, You know, and we see that with actually people on social media that are inspiring and uplifting, you know, sharing, like you're saying, afterwards, I felt this and I did the stuff to get through it. And, and I learned this about myself. Man, mm -hmm. we can't get enough of that. Our society yeah. wants that. We sure yeah. do, because especially if we're stuck in those same problems, then it gives us an example that we can follow. But what we don't want to see is somebody else who's stuck in the same problems as we are right now 
and they don't know the way out because th that therapy, you know, it turns the viewer of the content into the therapist. And if you're stuck in that mire, you don't want to help anybody else else out, you know, put your own oxygen mask on before you help someone else. And so the, I think that's really key is having a distance from your time in the troubles. And that doesn't mean you can't talk to a coach or a girlfriend or therapist about feeling this and get reassurance. Because right. once again, everybody feels that. Like you said, it's getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I asked um, uh, a teacher of mine, Matt Church, he's the founder of Thought Leaders Business School, and he has this very public persona. He's a well-known public speaker in Australia, and, um, and he, he talked once about the difference between Matt, his public persona, and Matthew, this person he was with his family, and how these are two distinct personas. And I also have you know, my public face and my private face, and I curate them very differently. And I asked him once, I said, how do you calibrate what to show and what to withhold? How do you know which story to publish and which one to work on internally, what to bring to your audience and what to bring to your therapist? And he looked off in the distance for a while and he said, I ask myself if it's in service. Mm. Is this in service? to the person that I'm talking to. Because if telling this story, sharing this secret, talking about this challenge, if it's in service to them, then sharing it is an act of service. But if it's in service to me, if it's only to help me, then I know that I'm not doing it for the other person. I'm only doing it for myself. And for if you're doing something for yourself, get a coach. Get a therapist, get a mastermind group and share in that safe environment. But when you're sharing something publicly to your audience, then it needs to be in service to them instead of in service to yourself. And of course, this is why you are an expert at marketing. This is why I am in love with this Marketing Yourself <laughs> book. And Caitlin is generously offering a, a Bombology podcast listeners the first chapter of the book for free. So I will put the link in the show notes for that. And then also a link to Caitlin's websites, um, CaitlinHuntress.com and then StellarPlatforms.com. Put a link to both of those in the show notes. I just want to thank you. Like, what a fabulous conversation. Way to represent men in the very first time <laughs> that I have them on the podcast. Man, I love it. I love uh, it. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Renee. This has been such an honor. It's been wonderful to have this conversation with you about, you know, about manifestation and imposter syndrome and all the things. I deal with these things internally so much, but it's not often that I have a safe container where I can have a conversation like this. So thank you so much for holding the space for this. It's been really great to talk with you. It's been an honor to have you on. Thank you so much, Kaylin. Have fun out there. <laughs>